we've been in this series, Don't Go to Church. Uh, church is not a building, and we talked about that in week one. We said the church redefined, that this word church got messed up. And the word for church is what? Anybody remember what it was? Ecclesia, and ecclesia is not a building, it's not a service, it's none of those things. It is a movement of people called for a purpose. It is a gathering of believers. That's what an ecclesia is. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the church's command, that the church would be known not because of our Bible knowledge, we would not be known because just simply uh, we, we put on great programs and services or we got this great building. The church would be known for our love for one another a radical, crazy, extravagant love for one another in this building. Even though we're different, even though we don't all think the same, we love each other completely. This morning, we're gonna talk about the church functioning. The, fir- the church functioning. I just love it when things work, okay? So there's a video I, I saw a couple years ago. I, wanna, I want you to watch this video real quick. Isn't it nice when things just work? Okay. <laughs> this service is not brought to you by Honda, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Kid, I, remember, I remember seeing that video the first time. I'm like, holy cow, it's crazy, okay? We love it when things just work, right? Like, I love it when my phone just works. I like it when my car just works, right? And uh, the fact is, though, Uh, the church is supposed to be the same way. It's supposed to work. This ecclesia is supposed to function in the same way. But I think if we're totally honest, it doesn't always work that way. Like it doesn't always do what it's supposed to do. Sometimes rather than function, we can experience dysfunction. And I'm not meaning like your in-laws, okay? Okay, We, we can, things just don't work the way they're supposed to, all right? 
And so this morning, we're going to talk about that a little bit. I think we're all going to see how we all have a part to play in this idea of the church functioning, all right? So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse number 1. Uh, we've just got one more week of this series, and then we're going to be kicking off a series called The Jesus Way as we're walking through the first eight chapters of the book of Mark this summer. So it's going to be great. Why don't you stand with me as we are going to read our primary text here this morning. Nothing sacred about standing. It's just a tradition around here uh, to honor God's word together, all right? Verse number one of chapter 12 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Jump down to verse four. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray in the moments we have here this morning that you would speak to us, Lord. Father, open our ears, open our hearts that we'd hear from you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. We get into the book of Romans, and I just want to give you some context again. We always like to talk about context. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Who was Paul? We talked about this on Easter. Paul was not the guy who drank the Kool-Aid and just was following along with everything. Paul was trying to kill the Christians. That's who Paul was. He was trying to end Christianity, but he came face to face with the resurrected Jesus, and his life was changed. And he went from being the one trying to kill the Christians to being the one actually leading people to Christ, one of the greatest advocates for Christianity the world has ever known. And Paul, had a, there was a community, a church, a gathering, an ecclesia in Rome. He wanted to go meet them, but he had not been there yet. So he wrote this letter, which is the book of Romans. He wrote them to those believers. And he wanted to talk to them about this thing called faith. And it's probably one of the most beautiful articulations of salvation and what the gospel is all about is the book of Romans, all right? Some of the verses, even if you don't know the Bible, my guess is you've heard some of the verses out of the book of Romans. We've got the Romans road, you know, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? All these verses, but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of this is out of Rome. And then you get to chapter 8 of Romans. If you, if you ever need to just like get your little pick-me-up, open your Bible and read chapter 8 of Romans, okay? And Romans 8 verse 1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It goes on in Romans chapter 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Keeps getting better. Verse 31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then we get to the end of chapter 8. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. It goes on and says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Amen. Like this is, this is the hope we have, man. The first 11 chapters of Roman is full of this stuff, okay? Just encourages you in your faith. And then you get to the end of chapter 11, just before what we read. If you've got your Bible, look what it says in verse 33. If, if you have a Bible, there's probably a heading or something there where it says doxology or something like that. It's just this moment of worship. And this is what he says at the end of this. All the stuff he's been writing, it says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For in him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's just, I mean, it's just powerful, these first 11 chapters, okay? And so there's this, this amazing story that takes place. And then we get to chapter 12 that starts with this word, Therefore. Okay, and whenever you look at the Bible, whenever you're reading, the question you gotta ask yourself is what's the therefore, therefore? Okay, what is the therefore? So what Paul is saying is this, in light of the first 11 chapters of this book, in light of the amazing gospel, the good news that we have, this hope that we have, this life that we have, that this good salvation, this eternal hope that every single one has, in light of all of that stuff, therefore, what should we do? Paul says this, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In light of all the good stuff that God has done for us, what should our response be? Our response should be to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, we don't do sacrifices around here anymore, okay? We ain't, we ain't chopping up any pigeons or we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. Okay, Peter would come shut us down if we did that, okay? We don't do that. Uh, but this whole idea is a living sacrifice, Right? Because a real sacrifice means this thing's dying. Like, that's what a sacrifice is. Jesus was our perfect final sacrifice. That's why we don't have to sacrifice anymore. But a sacrifice meant it's all in. This thing is done, right? How many of you ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? Anybody seen the movie The Princess Bride? Okay, it's not, remember, remember Billy Crystal? It's not like mostly dead. It's not mostly dead, okay? It is all dead, all right? If you haven't seen the movie, sorry, <laughs> okay? But like, there, when you... When you sacrifice something, you just don't kind of sacrifice it. It's all there. It's all in, right? And when God says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, it's all in. It doesn't mean we're physically dying, but it does mean that our self must die. Our desires must die. The way we live, we must die to self. You see, there are practical ramifications. If we are dead, then you know what? It has to affect our relationships, it has to affect our relationships. Our relationships can't be the same. Uh, you know, come on the screen in a minute. Our relationships can't be the same. They, they have to be impacted. They have to be changed in some way, right? Like uh, this first 11 chapters talks about how God has demonstrated so much love for us. He's done so much for us. Remember the command we talked about when we said we gotta love one another? We don't love as we love. We love as God has loved us. And so if that's the case, our relationships have to be impacted. So that spouse of yours who frustrates you, you know, that friend of yours, that neighbor of yours, we are called to die to ourselves and to love them, not as we want to love them, but in response to this love that God has given us. See, that's the love that we're passing on. When, when I'm frustrated with my wife, I'm not supposed to love her based on how I feel, based on what I see her doing, how she's treating me in any way. No, I am called to love her. Die to me. I'm called to love her as Christ has loved me. 
It's a hard call, but that's what it means to live a living sacrifice, all right? It has to affect our money. It's got to affect our money. Because if, if we really say we are surrendered to Jesus, it's got to affect us in our pocketbook. Like if you look at your checkbook, you will determine whether or not Jesus really has control of your life. Whether you are truly surrendered or whether you just like to show up to church and sing positive thoughts. Okay? This faith thing begins and ends by dying. It's a living sacrifice. All right? Another area, it's got to affect your words. The way we talk to one another. Like we, all of us, we tend to react at times. We tend to speak not, not what, what we've thought through or, or what God would want us to, but just simply how we, how we were raised, any of those kind of things. And we have to say, God, I want to die. I want my tongue to die. And I want to speak the words of life. I want to speak encouragement. That's what, that's what some really practical things. But, but this idea is, it's got to be so much larger than that. And what I find interesting is, is Paul is talking about this idea of a living sacrifice, but he actually doesn't talk about any of these things. These are very obvious ways that our lives should be changed. But you notice within just a few, worse, uh, few uh, verses, Paul actually starts talking about the church. He starts talking about the ecclesia of God, this movement of God. Whenever Paul talks about the church, he talks about it as a body, Right? You're familiar with some of those ideas where he talks about the church is a body. It's like this, this uh, uh, literal human flesh. Uh, because you look around this room and it makes sense because a body is built up of different parts. We got eyeballs, we got ears, we got knees, we got toes, we got all those kind of things. You look around this room, we got all different types of people. And yet we are called to function together. There's some things about the body that we need to understand if we are going to be that type of a body that functions the way... God would desire to us. The first one is this, that we have to recognize that we are interdependent. We are interdependent. Like we don't simply function on our own. Like the church should not just simply be I walk in by myself and then I walk out by myself and I don't ever connect to anybody else. Like what happens in this area doesn't matter to the people that happen in this area. That's not how the church is supposed to look. We are called to be interdependent just like our body. Just like I can't, you know, if, if there's something going on in my toe, it matters, <laughs> okay? Just like if it matters in my, in my finger, like it all matters, okay? Second thing we got to understand is that we must care for one another. We must care for one another. Because again, like I could say, well, my liver isn't functioning, but you know what? The rest of me is okay, <laughs> so who cares, okay? But sometimes we act that way as a, as a church, like, well, I'm doing fine. I don't really care about that guy who's got problems going on. Amen. See, the church is called to care for one another that way. Third thing is that we got to recognize this, is that we are all valuable. This isn't just like positive self-talk in some way. You need to recognize that every one of us is valuable inside the body. In fact, in Corinthians, Paul talks about this, and he, and he talks about this idea that we're all important, that one, one, the toe can't tell the finger, you don't matter. You know, an eyeball can't tell, you know, a knee. You don't matter. Everybody matters. We are all valuable. We are all important. We may all be different. You look around this. We've got different ages, diff different ethnicities, different financial standings. We've got different experience. You've got a different past and a different story. But every single one of us has been uniquely gifted in some way. And we have something that is of value for this body. All right? Some of you have cute noses. Some of you do. I have what's called a schnoz, okay? Okay, um, my nose has always been a little bit bigger, and then when I was in elementary school, I got hit in the face with a basketball and broke my nose. So it got a little bit bigger, okay? And somebody one time told me, you have a strong nose, Greg. I'm like, 
a strong nose. You mean big? <laughs> Thank you. But the good news for everybody, and for my wife especially, is that noses never stop growing, so it's only going to get better. Okay? All right. There's a reason why I'm saying this. Around this ecclesia, this ecclesia, I am like my schnoz. Here's what I mean. I am prominent. I am in a position that everyone sees. Every week, I'm going to get up on this stage, and you're going to see me. You're going to know who I am. I am prominent. There are some of you that are more like a heart or a circulatory system. You're never seen, but you are critical and vital to the life of this church and to the life of the church at large. And I want to talk to some of you this morning because there's probably some of you in here that you've been getting a little down. You've been getting a little depressed because you're like, man, I don't, nobody even sees me. Like some of you, I would bet there's people who have been in this church and you've been serving for years, if not decades, faithfully serving, being a part of what God is doing here. And it's possible that you're getting tired and you're beginning to question, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if I should keep doing this. Nobody even sees what's going on. You need to understand what you do is valuable. What you do impacts the kingdom of God. And if we aren't all participating in doing that, then we aren't all we're supposed to be as a church. All right? And whenever you get to that point where you are discouraged, you begin to question, is what I'm doing even worth it? Should I do it? Nobody sees it. Nobody really cares. You need to be reminded that the person trying to get you to stop is not Jesus. It is the enemy who wants to stop you. He wants to end. He wants you to give up what you have been called to do. He wants you to say, you know what? It's too hard. I can't do this. Why? Because he doesn't want the church to function like the church is supposed to function. He wants to stop it. Remember, what does he want to do? He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God has better plans for this place. He has better plans for his church at large. But it requires every single one of us to recognize that we have a part that's valuable. We have a part to play. Look at verse uh, 4 and 5 here of chapter 12 of Romans. It says this, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that phrase. We belong to all the others. See, this totally fights against us as Americans. Because what do we like in America? Independence. Fourth of July, right? Who? We do it on, we pull up our bootstraps, we do it our own way. That's good. There's a place for that. But in the body, that's not what we're called to. We're not called to try and fly. It's just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus are going to cuddle up on the couch. I'm going to read my Bible. It's just me and him. No, you are called to be with a body. There is an interdependence that is necessary within the body. Jesus isn't coming back for a person. He's coming back for a people. All right? We are that people. Okay? God has called us to this idea that we must, and, and recognizing that we have been given gifts that, and we're called to, to belong to one another, to care for one another. And so uh, the church is never meant to look like a preaching center. Like if this place ever turns into a preaching center, I have failed. Like a place where just everybody shows up, listen to me preach, and then walk out the door. I failed. Like I, you should fire me if that's where we end up, Okay. We are called to be a body that functions and loves one another and cares for one another and is a picture of the kingdom of God, is a picture of what the church is supposed to be, that we would love one another that deeply, okay? 
So I want to get to the big so what here, and, and I say this every week when I preach, there's always going to be a big so what, a clear point to this message. Here's the point. It's this. The church without you is incomplete. The church without you is incomplete. Remember that video we watched? Video we watched with all the little stuff moving, whatever. You take one little piece out of that, and it doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Just one. If it's at the beginning, you're in a lot of trouble because none of that stuff is going to happen. It, every single part matters. We are incomplete as a body if we are not all a part of what is going on here, what God is doing in this place. You might say, yeah, but I'm just a little screw. Like, I'm just one of the little screws. But we can't handle any screws loose, okay? Thank you. Pity laughs. Sometimes I get pity laughs. I'll take any kind of laughs. It doesn't really matter. But seriously, we can't handle any screws loose, okay? We need everyone, every single person functioning within the gifts God has given them, all right? Look at what it says in verse 8. And I, and I say this because it's more than just your presence. It's actually your involvement. That's what God is looking for. Look at verse uh, 6, the beginning of it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We all have different gifts. And your gift isn't like I got nice hair or I got pretty eyes. You have been gifted to do something within the body. You've been called to do something to propel this movement of God forward. All right? We go on, look at what it says in uh, the second half of verse six. It says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If your gift is serving, then serve. Whatever you're gifted in. Some of you have been serving for a long time. If that's your gift, then do it, right? If your gift is teaching, then teach. I, I got to hang out with a teacher this past week. That's cool. If that's your gift, then use it for the glory of God. If your gift is encouraged, man, I've met so many encouragers around here. You guys have just been lifting us up, all right? But some of you, that's your spiritual gift. Like, you genuinely are an encourager. Use that for the glory of God. Use that for this body. Find ways. Be intentional about finding ways to lift people up. Look for the people who need encouragement and bring them that word, right? It goes on and it says, uh, if it is to uh, give, then give generously, like some of you have that gift, like the spiritual gift of giving. And it isn't just because you're rich. A lot of times the most generous people I know are the people who have nothing. They give out of their little, not out of their great. And if that's your gift, if that's what God has gifted you with, use it for his glory. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. I think that's one of my giftings that God's put in me is leadership. And I want to do this faithfully for the sake of the body. Not for me, it's for the body, right? If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. But there's other, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a few things. All of you, you've got different gifts. You've got different passions, different desires. Whatever your gifts are, I don't care what your gifts are, just make sure you're using them for the kingdom of God, that you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're doing it for the sake of this body because God is doing something in the world. And if any one of us decides to pull ourselves out of the process, it's just like that chain of events. Things don't work the way they're supposed to, right? The church without you is incomplete, I don't care how good everybody else is. If you're not playing your role, if you're saying, you know what, I don't, think I, I don't think what I do matters. I don't think I have the gifts. I can't do anything like that guy can do it. It doesn't matter. Nobody's asking you to be that guy. God's asking you, would you be faithful with what I put in your hands? And every one of you is in a different place. Some of you are young right now. There's young people in the room, and you begin saying, well, I can't, I'm young. I can't do anything. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, don't let anybody despise you because you're young. Like some of you young people could do some things that would inspire all of us old folk at some point in time, okay? And I pray you do. I pray you rock this boat a little bit and inspire us with your faith, 
all right? But I would say the same thing. Some of you ch check yourselves out because you say, I'm 85 years old. I've already done that. I put my time in. Now I'm just gonna kind of sit back and relax. Listen, if you are not dead, God has something for you, okay? I heard somebody say this. You, you, there is no retiring in the Bible. Like when people are done with what God's called them, then they die. So if you are not dead, God is still calling you to do something. And you are called to be active. Don't sit around and say, oh, they got the young new pastor. He doesn't really want us old people to do things. That is a lie. That is the enemy. Do not believe it. I absolutely want every single person to play their part. You have been gifted. Use that gifting for the sake of this church. All right, so the, but we got a problem, okay? We have a problem. The problem comes as this that we got another word that we screwed up. Remember how the word church, we messed that word up? The other one is the word minister. Okay, the word minister. Because here's what happened. In time, you remember how there was the buildings and, and there was this, the buildings, suddenly we call the building the church and it stopped being about the people and it was about these services and gatherings taking place in the building. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch week one, okay? The same thing happened with this idea of what a minister was, because it used to be everybody was a minister, everybody was involved in what God was doing here, and unfortunately, though, it, it became this clergy and laity, where the clergy are the hired hands, they're the real minister, and everybody else is just the laity, and they're just here to kind of do whatever the, the, the ministers say, and, and eventually it became these services in these gatherings that the ministers would put on, these clergy would put on, and eventually it would just be, well, the laity just show up and watch the ministers put on a service, you know, that sometimes that's kind of the format that we have around here a little bit, you know, we're just, our job is to show up and watch the professionals do the real ministry, Right? That's not what the church is supposed to look like. You weren't called to watch a minister. You were called to be a minister, okay? There is no professional ministers. I might take a paycheck for this thing, and I appreciate that. So do my kids. They like to eat. But, but every single one of us, doesn't matter whether you're paid or not, you are called to be a minister. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter four. Here's what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's not what it says. I just lied to you. It does not say do. Put the right one up. He's given these people, why? To equip his people for works of ministry. So you know what my primary job here as a pastor it's to equip all of us to be ministers. That's my job. My job isn't to come up here and do the important stuff and you just kind of be good Christian people, good, nice, moral people, and then when services are with you, you can go home and just be nice people. That's not the call. You have been called to make a difference in this world. You've been called to do something that actually matters. That's the fun part about the gospel. Remember how he saved us, he's redeemed us, he's given us life, and it isn't to put us on a shelf and wait till Jesus comes. We get to do things that matter. We get to do something that matters. We have people all over this country that go through midlife crisis. Why? Because they feel like, I haven't done anything that matters in my life. Guess what? You haven't been active then because God says you can do something that has eternal ramifications, that has eternal purpose to it. Would we allow ourselves to be used by him though? Would we say, yes, God, I will be a living sacrifice, not in response to a need, not in response because the pastor makes me feel like I should, in response to the fact that, God, you have done more in my life than I could ever imagine. God, you have saved me. You have set me free. You've given me new life. In response to that, God, I wanna offer myself as a living sacrifice. I wanna be used by you, God. There's a guy around here named Michael Gessinger. 
Michael's on the four, fourth row right here. You can wave, Michael. He's going to be super uncomfortable for the next minute or two. I only bring his name up. He's on our board. Great guy, which, by the way, we have an amazing board here, if you didn't know that. Amazing. They are, they are good men who, genu- like, our, our prayer times turn into, like, little exciting meetings. Like, they're praying hard, and it's, it's just fun, okay? Well, Michael is on the board. He's a treasurer on our board, so he's doing really important stuff. Does a great job overseeing finances here at the church, and it just so, such integrity. I love it. It's, it's awesome, okay? Very gifted in that way. But there's something else that, that he's good at, and he's good at baking, Okay, so this is like a month ago. It's, we're sitting around and we're making plans for Easter. And I'm saying, I want to do some fun food for Easter. What can we do? And I'm like, could we do some scones? That'd be great. Let's buy some scones. Whatever. And Julie, who is Michael's wife, said, oh, I'll just have my husband make scones. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, and... But if you were here on Easter and you ate the scones, you're like, oh my word, this is the greatest scone I've ever eaten in my life. Okay. <laughs> okay. He made like four different types of scones. They're all fancy, whatever. But here's what you don't realize is that you guys were sleeping all nice and getting ready to have nice rosy eyes for Easter morning pictures, you know, to put your outfit on. You know what Michael did? He never went to sleep Saturday night. He stayed up all night long and baked scones for our church. And, oh, <laughs> okay. Why? Because he wanted us to have nice warm scones that were totally fresh in the morning, okay? Now, do I do this because we think we should all bake scones? No, because I'm not any good at that. Here's what I'm saying is that Michael has more than just his gift in leadership and his gift financially, he has this other gift. And rather than saying, well, that's, that's my gift, and I use that for me, he said, you know what? How can I use this gift for the sake of the body? See, that's all we're talking about here. I'm not talking about you need to go to college and get a degree in something so that you can suddenly work in the church and you need to get ordained, you know? Like, I don't need to do any of that stuff. Like, God has gifted you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God has gifted you in some way to impact the body, to lift the body, to bring some value here. And, the, and it is, there is this grand scheme, this, this church at large. And if you are not playing your role in that church, the church at large is not all that it could be. It is not functioning the way it should be. But I would say this to you. We as a church, a local ecclesia right here, if you are not using the gifts God's put into you, if you are not responding to the passions God's put into your heart, if you're saying, well, I'm just going to sit back and let the other people take care of it, guess what? This church will not be what we are supposed to be. The church without you is incomplete. So there's some of you here this morning, you've been staying back. Why? Because you feel like you're inadequate. You feel like you can't, there's nothing of value you can bring. That's a lie. There's others of you that would say, I just, I just haven't taken the step in. I think God's inviting you into something new. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. God, we thank you so much. Thank you that you have invited us into something beautiful. Lord, it's, uh, it's not just a story where we get to show up to a building for an hour on Sundays and watch the professionals work. It's a story that we get to be a part of writing. We thank you for that, Lord. God, across this room, there may be people who just felt, you know what, I've been disengaged. I just haven't been really involved. Just kind of content watching a little bit. 
And I just believe by your Holy Spirit, you're gonna draw them into a greater and a better place, functioning within the body. There's some people here that maybe have, um, they feel like they don't deserve it. They don't feel like they have anything of value to bring. God, I pray right now that you would speak to their hearts to recognize that there is something that, that they've, they have in their hands, that God, you have gifted them in a way for the sake of the body. God, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts right now. God, I pray that you would awaken gifts in people. God, that they would realize that something that they've always done and always loved, that God, you could actually use that for your glory, not just for them. God, do that in this body. Lord, I pray as, as you said, you, you're making a, a body just like a human body. I pray that you would knit us together, that we would see our interdependence, our need for one another. And Father, that we would function the way you've called us to, not for our glory, not so we could say, oh, look how slick we are, but to say, God, you are good, to proclaim your glory to this place and so that this community could be impacted in greater and more powerful ways than ever before. God, we thank you so much. This on your own, I would just invite you, if just, just for a moment, just say, God, it, God, I surrender to you. I submit myself to you. If that's the place you're in, you say, God, I wanna lay this, I wanna lay myself down. Just surrender to say, God, I give myself to you. I'm not gonna make excuses anymore, Lord. I'm gonna take and, and step into whatever you're calling me to. Thank you, Jesus.